Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Murder. Trust is a difficult thing to build, but an important foundation to any relationship. On December 18th, 2006, a young girl was murdered by two friends that she trusted. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Sixteen-year-old Stacy Mitchell was described by those who knew her as a bright, bubbly, and the life and soul of her loving family. She was born in Dorset, England, and at the age of 10, immigrated to Australia with her family, which is where she was living the day she decided to run away from home on December 7th, 2006. It's not clear why she left, if it was a simple act of childhood rebellion or if there were problems within the home that no one quite knew about. But either way, the young girl without a hint of trouble in her background ended up at the house of 18-year-old Valerie Parrish Moody and her girlfriend, Jessica Stasinowski who has been reported as either 19 or 21 years old. Jessica Stasinowski came from a lonely household and was described as emotionally barren. When she ran away from home at a young age, she began making ends meet through sex work. Despite her rough beginning, friends described her as a beautiful person. That was until she met Valerie Parrish Moody. Valerie's troubles seemed to begin when she was a young girl, and her father began physically abusing both her and her mother once he got out of prison. It was made worse when her parents divorced in 2004 and worsened yet again after she suffered from a head injury during a car accident. She'd become a member of the vampire subculture since she was 10 years old, and when she met and began dating Jessica, let her obsession take over her life. She had strong sexual sadistic tendencies, was aroused by physical torture and violence, and had a thing for ingesting human blood. And she shared all of this with her new girlfriend. While many found this disturbing, Stacy had no idea that the girl she had begun a friendship with had such violent tendencies behind closed doors. She trusted them. The couple lived in the inner Perth suburb of Lathlane and offered to let Stacy move into their front bedroom when she left home. From the beginning, the girls began plotting something deadly for their friend. Stacy, comfortable in her surroundings, had a habit of walking around the house in her underwear, something both Valerie and Jessica took as her flirting. Friction began immediately, and the once-friendly attitude in the household soon started to turn hateful. Both Jessica and Valerie decided that Stacy had to go. But instead of simply asking her to leave, they took the opportunity to enact some of their darkest fantasies. On the morning of December 17, 2006, David Ross John Haynes, also living with the couple, told Valerie that Stacy made a distressing comment about one of his male friends. This was the straw that broke the camel's back. She told him that no one should destroy his happiness and that if someone did, they should die. 
Later that same day, David walked in to find Jessica grinding up some glass. When he asked what she was doing, she simply stated that they were going to put it in Stacy's drink, ensuring that she experienced an agonizing death. The pair even asked David if he wanted to help them get rid of their friend, but he declined. He never went to authorities or warned Stacy about the plot against her. Instead, on December 18, 2006, he obliged when the girls told him to lock himself in his bedroom and turn his music up loud. That was the morning that Jessica gave Stacy a date rape drug that she said was ecstasy, waited until she was semi-conscious, and began hitting her over the head with a concrete paving slab that they took from their backyard as Jessica strangled her with a dog chain belt. As she lay gasping for air, the couple began kissing over her body and filming her final moments on their cell phone. In total, it took 45 minutes for Stacy to die. In the middle of the attack, David heard Stacy call out for help and told Jessica he needed to leave because he was having a panic attack. She gave him a t-shirt to put over his eyes and directed him to the front door so he didn't see the gruesome scene. At around 1.40 a.m., he called to see if they were done and the girls confirmed that Stacy was dead and that he could come back home in a few hours after they cleaned up. He arrived back home at 3.20 a.m. and the girls blindfolded him yet again, saying things were still a bit messy. In the days following her death, the girls gave David a detailed account of what happened to Stacy and tried to come up with the perfect plan for what to do with her body, which at this point was still in a wheelie bin at the rear of the property. This is where her body would remain for four days where the girls priced out tools for disposal. Then, investigating the smell emitting from the property, police found the decomposing body of Stacy Mitchell and everyone in the home was arrested. Probably the most devastating information I found while researching this case was that Stacy had only known the girls for a short period of time and that just hours before her murder, she and her parents had reconciled their issues and made arrangements to meet at the local railway station so Stacy could come home. In court, both Jessica and Valerie, who pleaded guilty to Stacy's murder, smiled, giggled, and whispered to one another while a judge and lawyers discussed their possible punishment. In 2008, both women were sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum of 24 years. David Ross John Hayes was sentenced to two years in prison for being an accessory to the murder. Jessica immediately attempted to appeal her sentence, but it was unanimously rejected. The girls continued their relationship within prison walls for about a year after their sentence, spending about 90 minutes together on weekdays and several hours together on the weekends. When the courts found out, Valerie was moved to a different prison where they attempted to maintain contact via letters using fellow inmate and murderer Catherine Burney as a go-between. In 2013, Valerie attempted to escape from prison but failed. Both women, from what I can tell, are still behind bars with no plans for freedom anytime soon. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on December 19th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.